Let's read together Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 through 20. Now, in this first half of the chapter, we have Joshua's commendation and honorable discharge of the fighting men from the two and a half tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. We also have the account of the controversial altar built by these two and a half tribes near the border of the Jordan River. Joshua 22, verses 1 through 20. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days, up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren, as he promised them. Now therefore, return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half of it, Joshua gave a possession among their brethren on this side of the Jordan, westward. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them and spoke to them, saying, Return with much riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a great impressive altar. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead. And with him ten rulers, one ruler, each from the chief house of every tribe of Israel, and each one was the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. Then they came to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel, to turn away this day from following the Lord, in that you have built for yourselves an altar, that you might rebel this day against the Lord? Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us, from which we are not cleansed till this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that you must turn away this day from following the Lord? And it shall be, if you rebel this day against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. But do not rebel against the Lord, nor rebel against us, by building yourselves an altar besides the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing? And wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel. 
and that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. Let's begin this first half of Joshua chapter 22 with some background notes. In verse 12, we read that there was the threat of civil war in Israel. That is, the nine and a half tribes on the west side of the Jordan River were about to go to war with the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River. Why? What's the background here anyway? Turn back to Numbers chapter 32. As the children of Israel were about to enter the land of Canaan, the two and a half tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh came before Moses and said that they wanted to settle on the east side of the Jordan River. Read about that in verses 5 through 7. After Moses' rebuke of the two and a half tribes for their lack of full commitment and unwillingness to go all the way into the land of promise, they said to Moses that they would come over and fight the battles, but then after the battles were over, they would return to their families and their flocks on the east side of the Jordan River. Read about that in verses 16 through 19. So the two and a half tribes were given permission to settle on the east side of the Jordan River. As long as their armies went over and fought with the rest of Israel until the land was conquered. Verses 20 through 22 of Numbers 32. Well, the two and a half tribes kept their word and sent their armies across the Jordan River with the rest of Israel, fought the battles, and now here in Joshua chapter 22, they are going home. The seven-year conquest is over. Some of these soldiers would have been away from home for a long time, a seven-year conquest. They are commended by Joshua for their good service and given an honorable discharge. So the two and a half tribes departed. But when they came to the Jordan River, before they crossed over, they did something very unusual. They built a large altar, verse 10. Now, when we come to the second half of the chapter, we will learn that the two and a half tribes built this altar not for sacrifice, but as a symbolic witness to their children and future generations that they were united with the nine and a half tribes on the west side of the Jordan. That is, they were all one nation under God. But unfortunately, the nine and a half tribes misjudged the motives of the two and a half tribes, and thought that they were wrongly setting up another altar of sacrifice. Thus, the nine and a half tribes were ready to go to civil war to put an end to what they thought was rebellion and apostasy. Well, so much for our background. Let's move now to our doctrinal or teaching points. Doctrinal point number one, it is wrong for believers to judge the motives of other believers. It is wrong for believers to judge the motives of other believers. That's exactly what the nine and a half tribes did here. They wrongly judged the motives of the two and a half tribes. They jumped to the conclusion that Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh were setting up an altar of sacrifice and another system of worship. But they were wrong. The two and a half tribes were only setting up a symbolic and memorial replica altar as a witness for their families, that they were one nation under God. Now, the nine and a half tribes were right in being concerned for the holiness of God. I mean, God had said in Deuteronomy chapter 12, under the law, that when they came into the land, there was to be only one place of sacrifice. 
And right now, that one place was at the tabernacle at Shiloh. So the two and a half tribes were certainly wrong if they were setting up another altar of sacrifice. So the nine and a half tribes were right to be zealous for the holiness of God. And the nine and a half tribes were right in pointing out that God did not take a light view of disobedience to his commands. So the nine and a half tribes were right in being concerned with what the two and a half tribes were doing when they built this great, impressive altar. It certainly looked like the two and a half tribes were rebelling and disobeying the Lord. But the nine and a half tribes were wrong in so quickly jumping to conclusions and judging the motives of the two and a half tribes and arming themselves for civil war. Now, I think you see the doctrinal point, right? It is wrong for believers to judge the motives of other believers. The Lord Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, judge not that you be not judged. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. The point is that we are not to judge motives. Now, sometimes we must judge behavior, as in church discipline and family discipline, but we should always first check out the motives. You know, when a student cuts one of my classes several days in a row, for example, I should not jump to the conclusion that this student doesn't like me or is unspiritual. You know, there may be a very good reason why this student has missed these classes. And I should check it out before assuming that this student has a bad attitude. It's wrong for believers to judge the motives of other believers. We all need to learn this lesson. It would save a lot of unnecessary friction between believers. That leads us to our second doctrinal point. It is right for believers to investigate before taking action. It is right for believers to investigate before taking action. Well, that's exactly what the nine and a half tribes did. Before going to civil war, they sent a delegation of 10 men, headed up by Phineas the priest, to investigate what the two and a half tribes were up to, as we see in verses 13 and 14. This was good. They asked before assaulting. They want to hear the whole story. Phineas, the priest, by the way, was the same priest that God used to intervene and stop the plague in Numbers chapter 25. Phineas was a godly man and a good man to head up this investigating committee. And look at the magnanimous offer that the nine and a half tribes make to the two and a half tribes in order to straighten out this problem. Look at verse 19. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. What a great attitude. The nine and a half tribes are willing to give up some of their land to get things straightened out. Let me ask you, how much material possession would we be willing to give up in order to straighten out problems in our own congregation? Do you investigate before taking action? Fortunately, in the secular world, we have civil courts to investigate before taking action. But what about in your family, for example? Do you discipline your children before investigating? What about in the church? Watch out for misguided zeal. There are many sad stories of action taken before investigation. The church must discipline, but not before checking things out. It is right for believers to investigate before taking action. Now, what about practical application from this first half of Joshua 22? 
Practical application number one, give credit where credit is due. Give credit where credit is due. When Joshua sent the two and a half tribes home, he gave credit where credit was due. Look back at verses two and three. No wonder Joshua was a good and beloved leader. He gave credit where credit was due. We should do the same, especially if you're in a leadership position. We need to do that in our families. I need to do that with my students. Church leaders need to do that, especially with the younger generation. Even if their style is different, et cetera, et cetera, give credit where credit is due. And younger generation, you need to do the same for the older generation, for your parents, for your spiritual leaders, give credit where credit is due. Practical application number two, don't forget to share. Don't forget to share. When the two and a half tribes departed with the booty of war, Joshua said to them in verse eight, divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. Many of the men of the two and a half tribes, of course, had remained on the east side of the Jordan to protect the families and property. Now the troops returning from the front lines are to share with their brethren. We need to do the same. We all have different jobs to do for the Lord and all are important. Some have greater needs. Some have received greater material blessing. Remember this principle of being established in the land that the Lord has given us. Don't forget to share.